Welcome to this episode of Breaking Business Barriers. I'm here, Brent Duhame, along with my uh, my co-pilot, Jared Ty, JT. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm trying to stay stay cool here. You, you, you know, that's right, man. It's We've been a few weeks since we've uh, released a new episode. Uh, you're over in Greece. You've been all over the world. My God, you know, the um, pandemic, you know, pulls back a little bit and, and you and your your family decided to do some traveling. So that's great. We'll, we'll catch up on that on another day, but this is episode number 103 JT. And I'm really, really happy to announce, uh, our, our, uh, our guest today, Mark Green. We've known each other for about 15 years, maybe a little bit more than that. And, you know, I was, I was digging through the mine on, on entrepreneurs that I've known. And we were just talking about this before we decided to record I'm like, I need to reach out to Mark. So I did so a couple, two, three months ago, and he's been busy. He's done a little traveling and, you know, and all kinds of things business-wise. And Mark, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Brian. Thank you for having me on this. I, I've been really looking forward to it ever since we reconnected and talked. So yeah. it's an honor to be here. Very, very cool. I consider you an industry friend and, and a friend in, in general. You've, uh, You've been an inspiration to a lot of people in my industry, as long as uh, JT's industry of, of real estate. So it's cool. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, you said this is the first time you've done a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. I can't, I'd be lying to you if I told you I wasn't even a little bit nervous right now. Definitely got a little bit of butterflies. This is a big deal. Dude, you know, a marketing guru like yourself, you built a company. For like 18 or 19 years, whatever it was in marketing. This is the first time you've done a podcast? Yeah. You know, I thought about doing like 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 doing what you're doing, right? But a lot of people think about stuff and and kudos to you guys for actually pulling the trigger and deciding to start your own podcast. And congrats on getting over a hundred episodes. I think it's I think it's fantastic, you know. Um yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I mean I thought about it a lot of times, but I actually, I just never pulled the trigger, never did it. So this is my first time being on one in any capacity. Well, we're, we're having fun with it and it allows us to share stories, you know, not only, you know, selfishly between JT and I, we get to meet really cool people, whether we know them, you know, we've had, we've had a number of guests that I've never have dreamed to met and that Jared has brought in and, and vice versa, for sure. It landed me in prison in California. And I'll have to tell you that on another day, but uh, in all seriousness, and we, I share this uh, every now and again, we went, we visited the prison uh, as, uh, as guests at, and we did a really, really cool thing, but I never would have had that experience in a max security prison if it wasn't for a guest on this podcast. So that was, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, hey, hey, Mark, first and foremost, uh, you, you do a little bit of social media. If someone has a question at some point after listening to this, where, where can they find you uh, easily or most easily on social media? Yeah, the only social media I really do or have ever done would be Facebook. So I'm on Facebook. I There's probably a few Mark Greens out there on Facebook. So uh, but, you know, you and I are connected on Facebook, clearly. So I imagine if somebody wanted to find me there, they could just uh, if they have you, uh, they could find me through you pretty easily. I don't know. I don't really know that I have a handle or anything like that. 
No, yeah, you're good. I've, you, you're also on LinkedIn. You, you say that you're unemployed, which is, <laughs> which, you know, as you and I were getting ready to, to do this a couple of months ago, you said that you're unemployed, but you've been busy. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute, because I, I know you as someone who doesn't stand still very long. So I'm sure there's some, some different cards in your hand that uh, and I may not know about right now. But hey, Mark, what's, uh, you've been an entrepreneur, business owner, um, why, don't, why don't you just share a little bit about your story as, you know, how did you get to that point following college? You, you went to college and mm-hmm. how'd you get to that point where you decided to, to go away from the W2 gig to owning your own business? Why don't we start there? Yeah, sure. Um, going way back, you know, all this gray hair. I, I used to point to my head with the gray hair, but I told you I was going to give you a little bit of, uh, of this uh, unemployed, re- semi-retired scruff today. But anyway, yeah, uh, graduated from University of Florida and with an advertising degree and worked in advertising for, oh, I don't know, um, pretty much my whole career, I guess you could say. But back in the day, I was just uh, working for advertising agency. And um, from there, I I just got kind of bit by the idea that I could be in sales. I just, I decided that I wanted to be more well-rounded. And instead of just coming up with ideas, I wanted to basically run the entire campaign through the gamut. So I went to the Miami Herald where I sold newspaper advertising and that allowed me to get with, and again, these are really small customers, shoe stores, uh, seafood markets, restaurants, et cetera. But I could walk in the door, listen to the entrepreneur, learn about all these different types of businesses and work with them on an advertising strategy that I thought could work well for them. And I really enjoyed that. And uh, while I was at the uh, Miami Herald, the internet came out. And so the, the Miami Herald let me sell uh, their first online advertisements, these little banner ads. That was all there was back in the day. So I was one of the first people to get to sell online advertising for the Miami Herald. I realized that, you know, the, the, the future of the internet and online wasn't probably going to revolve around Miami. So I moved out West. I did a bunch of dot-com stuff out West got a little homesick, moved back to Atlanta. And that's kind of where the story of top of mind starts. So my, my wife and I moved to Atlanta and uh, we bought a little townhouse. And the guy who sold us the townhouse said, look, you know, here's our three preferred lenders, pick one and we'll see you at the closing table. So that's what I did. I just called all the different mortgage companies and, and I ended up choosing a guy from Countrywide. And the guy did a really good job. He he, you know, rate and service and closing and even like a closing gift in the whole nine yards. And he did a great job. And uh, I said goodbye to him. He said goodbye to me. He went on his way. I went on mine. About 18 months later, though, my wife and I decided that we wanted to buy a house and we would need another mortgage. And I went through like some of this paperwork I'd saved to try to figure out who this guy was. But I, you know, I didn't really have an easy time finding it. And it wasn't like there wasn't a mortgage company on every street corner in Atlanta. So I just decided to use a different guy for the second transaction, which by the way, was like three times larger. And I told the second guy, Hey, you know, this really should be somebody else. And he didn't stay in touch. You know, if I were you, you never know what's going to happen in the future, but you ought to stay in touch with me. And this guy said, Oh yeah, you know what? I stay in touch with all my customers. My assistant's going to send you postcards, emails, all the rest of it. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see. And I said, well, that's a good idea. I look forward to hearing from you. Close the deal. And you know, Brent, you know, the rest of the story, I never heard from this guy. 
So <laughs> I about six months go by and I just was really just, I guess you could say perplexed that I hadn't heard from him. I, I couldn't tell you who the other person was. So I called this guy up and I said, hey, you know, you might remember me. You just did my mortgage about six months ago. You know, what's, what's going on? I never heard from you like you told me. And that's when all the different excuses started, right? Like the same excuses I have about not starting a podcast myself, you know, which is he's been too busy. He's been too broke. His assistant left him. He's not busy enough. All the different excuses. They just came pouring out. And I asked him, I said, you know, this, I think there's an idea here. And, you know, I kind of have a passion for marketing and advertising and client retention. You know, if I were to build something that didn't really require a lot of work on your part, would you maybe think about being a customer? And he's like, oh yeah, that sounds great. So that's when I went to the library, I started researching the mortgage industry, started researching real estate, try to figure out what, what a consumer might want to hear from their mortgage advisor down the road, not just after closing, but two, three, four years down the road. And that's where Top of Mind Networks came from, was from that experience with that guy. And uh, I think the funniest part of that story, and sorry to be so long-winded, but the funniest part of that story, and I'm not going to name the guy, but you know, that guy never became a client either. The guy who is the impetus for the company, I hope he's listening to this because I tell his story all the time. He doesn't know it, but um, yeah, the very guy who gave me the very idea to start Top of Mind uh, actually never did become a client. <laughs> I guess it's really easy to find ways to say no to something if you try hard enough. Wow. You know, <laughs> I've, I've known part of that story because you, you shared it initially when I think we first met many moons ago. Um, I'm damn sure glad I became a client and <laughs> I was also one of the biggest advocates at Top of Minds Network, for, for mm -hmm. sure. All the round tables and all the building that you were doing. But what you did, like most entrepreneurs, you found a problem and you decided to invest and do your best to solve it. And that, that's, mm -hmm. that's incredible. What you got, JT? Uh, I, I enjoyed hearing that story. It's, it's funny because I was just telling another uh, real estate agent in my office today I said, you know, the difference between someone who is a salesperson as a job and someone who's a business owner is someone who stays on top of their database. Mm -hmm. If you are good at following up, um, in fact, I, I sent a text to a client from two years ago today and she wrote back and she said, you know, funny thing, we were just talking about you this morning. I'm like, what are the odds of that? But we were literally just having this conversation that that's the difference between someone who does a profession as a job and someone who actually owns a, a book of business. So what a, what a neat, you know, problem or, or solution, you know, you're providing to a very common problem there. So, you know, so Mark, you, you didn't have a technical background. And I, when I think about CRMs and all those very, very technical stuff in the back background, but you, you knew the idea and you blossomed this idea. So you get this idea, Mark, mm -hmm. and you knew it was going to be, you, you knew with every, every blood, sweat and tear that you put into it, it was going to be successful. But how'd you go about, you know, I don't, we don't have to get too far in the weeds, but how'd you go about surrounding yourself with the right people to do the, do the stuff? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because as an entrepreneur, 
you know, you, you start a business and you really hope like you hope <laughs> that it's that, that people are going to buy this idea that you've created and buy the product. Um, but back that, that story and the impetus of that story, that was a super low tech solution. It was back in 2002, 2003. And, um, you know, there really wasn't such a thing as CRM yet. There was act. I remember there was like a, like, you know, you stick the CD into your computer. It was pretty much like that. Uh, the act database I used to run top of mind off of at the very beginning, but, but, um, you know, it, it was never really, the business was never started to evolve into a, a CRM, a technology company. I think it, it ended up going that direction just because we cherished the idea, you know, we, we, we cherished our relationships with our clients and we would talk to them and we became friends with our clients like you. And uh, we'd listen to what it is that they needed from us, right? In order to grow and to be as successful as they could be. So, you know, this, this direct mail program that we started, which was just 24 letters and greeting cards over a five-year period after the closing of the transaction, you know, that, you know, people, we did everything, right? Like we licked the stamps, we stuffed the envelopes, we did all the work. Like the, the, the mortgage company would not do anything other than just pay their bill when we sent them a bill once a month. But, you know, then we get phone calls and literally it was phone calls, which is, hey, you know, one of my customers moved and I need to change their address. Can you change their address for me? And I'd sit there and I'd have to do it over the phone or they'd have to send me an email and I change it. So like, finally we're like, well, why don't we just make a database to where you can log in and change their address all by yourself. And that really, if you can, you can kind of follow the, the dominoes, if you will, which is you create a database that the customers have username, username, password, access to the database. They can update their own data. They can start to input their own data. They can make notes and, you know, so on and so forth over the course of 18 years. It went from being just this postal mail follow-up program to a full-fledged, very robust CRM platform. Um, and, and it doesn't happen, you know, uh, without like a ridiculously talented team around me. And to your point, I know almost nothing about technology. I don't know how to code anything. I don't know how to manage coders. I don't know anything. I just got really lucky that the people around me uh, did. You know, I, I forgot about the, the, the initial mail outs, you know, so you just brought me back in time as I'm thinking about it. Yeah, we were just happy as heck that, you know, the, the cut, our clients were, were, were getting some sort of piece of mail you know, on, on the program and we just had to remember to pay the bill and then the rest of it was done. So that, that, that's, that's really pretty impressive, you know, so it was, you know, over the course of 18 years. And I think what our, our, our folks and listeners want to hear about is, or learn, it took some time and it took a heck of a lot of hard work, right? Oh, absolutely. Without, without question. So, all right, let's fast forward here. A little bit. So you built you built a client base, and again, I was proud to say I was one of them, and and we expanded that with with my company, big time. And it was, and you guys did wonderful. I think a lot of the inclusive thoughts. You know, we would be on, you know, talking. You know, we'd input stuff and and all that. You just did a, a great job of seeking your client input, which made me even a deeper input into. You know, I felt like an investor. It really did. All right. So let's fast forward time. You've, uh, 
you've made a change after 18, 18 years. And you've, you know, I'm a parent, you're a parent, JT's a parent, you know, and we see our kids grow, grow and graduate college. And I've got one at least um, out of college, another one that's in it, but you, you made it, you made a decision and you, you decided to pivot. You want to talk about your pivot? Oh yeah, sure. So um, my, my partners and I, uh, in 2018, decided it was time where we had taken top of mind, you know, about as far as we felt comfortable, you know, with our skill sets, right? Like w- there was there was a bit of a hole in our executive team in terms of of experience, and the big thing that we were looking for was help building a world class development team and a world class development, you know, technology company. Right? I'm I'm not a technologist. Uh, my my partners are super smart guys, but, you know, that was just something that we felt like we, an area where we really could get better. So we went and found an investor that was experienced in helping companies like ours that have been bootstrapped from the ground up get to that next level. Uh, so we took on an investor in 2018, 2018, a private equity firm. And over the course of the next three years, they came in and helped us in various areas of the business, most notably technology, uh, really shoring up that area of our company. And uh, they, a few months ago, ended up selling uh, the entire company to Black Knight, uh, which is a publicly traded company uh, and a consortium of various mortgage technologies and different types of vendors. Uh, So they have a really nice umbrella. And I think top of mind as a CRM, as a client retention type of platform, really makes a nice fit into their overall portfolio. I don't know that they had a property like that. So I think it's the perfect fit in the right home for top of mind. And uh, I look forward to seeing the company thrive under Black Knight's leadership. But, I, but I'm no longer at top of mind. Um, I guess you could say I, I am unemployed at this point. So uh, I kind of joke about that. But uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. <laughs> JT, what do you have, man? Mark, I'd love to hear more about how Top of Mind evolved and, you know, what kind of um, services you offered with it initially and, you know, how that changed over the years. Yeah, sure. Well, it started off with this, you know, the mortgage person would close a loan and then they would move on to the next loan, just like that countrywide guy did back in the day and just like the second guy does, right? I imagine, Um, and and so we would send these letters and greeting cards over a five-year period. It would all be completely turnkey and the letter would look and feel like it came off of Brent's desk, his logo, his photo, really polished, but, but, you know, valuable information, not meatloaf recipes or, you know, garbage like that, but it was information about the consumer's home, their real estate market, et cetera. So, you know, and, and from there, you know, obviously we moved from just being postal mail to all these different types of media from dynamic video. So like those jib jab type of um, fun animated videos, we create our own series of those. Um, obviously text messaging, marketing, email marketing, flyers, I mean, really all kinds of different venues to communicate with a consumer or a referral source all under one roof. We niched ourselves, we focused and specialized on helping mortgage companies and mortgage companies referral partners, such as real estate agents, financial planners, CPAs, et cetera. So 
co-branding with the agent was a huge part of what we do. And when it's a huge part of what the company does today. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it just kind of evolved from being more of a snail mail, uh, direct mail type of platform and much more of a technology-based platform over the years. So there's still, there's still printed uh, materials that, that go out through the company. How do you feel about, you know, that conversation of, you know, digital versus print? I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of value in both of them, I would imagine. I think so. Um, you know, what's interesting is when, when, you, when we started Top of Mind back in early 2000s, people would talk about direct mail as, you know, like if you got something that was commercial, right? What did we call that? Junk mail. Yeah. You know, it was always junk mail. And with the advent of the internet, you know, it's super cheap or free or easy to send an email. So a lot of that, what you might call junk mail, it, it, it moved away from, you know, a pretty expensive medium such as direct mail over to, you know, over to spam email, right? So what's really ironic about where we are a generation later is that you don't really see so much of what you might call junk mail in the, in the physical mailbox. anymore. of course, you're going to get some commercial offers, but it isn't like it was 20 years ago. So I think that direct mail is a great way to break through the clutter. Now, you know, the key is obviously making sure that whatever it is you send has value, right? Like everybody should be looking at any type of messaging and asking themselves what's in it for me. And that was one of the hardest parts of starting top of mind was diving really deeply into the industry and trying to figure out what a consumer would see value in, not just right after they close their transaction, but hopefully into perpetuity. That's awesome. I think there's there's a huge takeaway there that, you know, don't just look for business, look for ways to create value. And if you can do that, you know, the business will follow and you'll remain top of mind, you know, because of that. Yep. Hey, Mark, you mentioned bootstrap, and this is often when we have an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur you know, if you could share some advice, bootstrap, investor, uh, do you feel that you did it the right way? And, or would you suggest maybe playing with other people's money, you know, as the, as the investor, how do you feel about bootstrapping? I, I think that I did it the right way for me. I don't know that there's a right way for everyone, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was very much of an elbow grease business, you know, back in the day when I decided that I didn't want the, you know, the, the, the W-2 job per se anymore, and I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I was really fortunate that had a little bit of money saved in the bank because, you know, I certainly was going to end up needing it. And my wife, thank God, you know, had a secure job to where I could lean on her to pay some of our bills while I was bootstrapping top of mind. And, and so, you know, honestly, I have to give a huge shout out to my wife, Abby, for supporting me and the family, you know, in the earliest days of top of mind when, you know, just getting the business off the ground and using all of the revenue to bring on the next employee, such as, you know, my partner, David Orsini, who I gave what, what we called phantom equity right out of Georgia tech. Uh, that's a totally different story, but Right. Anyway, I, I, I really, got, I, I enjoyed the journey that much more having bootstrapped top of mind out of nothing and growing the business out of cash flow, out of profits. So when I look back on the journey, I'm really fond of that part of the story. But that said, you know, like, I think it's not every business can start this way. I mean, uh, 
I, I imagine there's a lot of type of a, a lot of businesses that would require investment capital. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. JT. When, you know, when you thought of a company going back to the very beginning, you know, you, you, you thought, okay, here's a problem. Here's a real problem. I've got a solution. Um, was the process of building that business harder than you anticipated or, or, you know, were there surprises that came up along the way? Always surprises that come up along the way. And um, well, I, I could say that, you know, fortunately for me, my, my main skills when I started Top of Mind were the two things that I tended to leverage in starting and creating the business, which was one, advertising and marketing. It's something that I had a lot of familiarity and confidence in. And two was selling. Um, so I had a lot of confidence that I could go out in the field and talk to back in the day. It was, it was funny, like we've come so far in the industry, but it was mortgage brokers. It was predominantly mortgage brokers. Um, and, uh, so I would sit down in front of a mortgage broker and I would show them this portfolio. It was just a, it was like an, like, like a photo album, if you will. And I would show them all the different cards and letters that would go out over five years. And I would ask them, you know, if you're going to make, let's just call it $2,500 or $3,000 on a transaction, closing a mortgage or you know, a, a, a home uh, for a consumer, do you think it's worth it? Back in the day, we charged $50 for the sending of the 24 letters and cards over five years. I said, would it make sense to invest $50 to make sure that this consumer comes back to you when they're ready to re refinance or potentially refer their friends and family? So, you know, I think the, the key to the success was creating a value proposition that was easy to say yes to, probably could have charged more than $50, but $50 seemed reasonable and easy to say yes to. And I was really lucky that a lot of people did say yes. And a lot of people referred us to the mortgage broker around the corner. Uh, so our growth ended up being quite viral um, and organic. That's awesome. And did you say that um, top of mind essentially is, is a CRM now? So, you, I mean, you mentioned it has people have the ability to go in and, and manage their clients through it. It is. It's a very robust, uh, sophisticated CRM. Um, I mean, it, it, it does more than more than I could ever really articulate in, in a, in a, even, even in a five minute spiel about it, but it's kind of like Salesforce from the standpoint that you can automate a lot of your client retention marketing uh, and a lot of your to-dos for the day is, you know, I want to make sure that as best practice, I call all my, all my borrowers on their birthday and just wish them a personalized happy birthday because they might not even get that from their mom or their dad, their brother, or their sister, but they might get it from their, their mortgage professional or real estate agent. So things that are just best practice that everybody knows they ought to do but most people, even to this day, being 2021, I think you could ask most mortgage professionals if they call their, their borrowers on their birthday. Uh, and I think, you know, only 5% of people would actually do that best practice today. The idea behind any CRM is to try to make it as easy as possible to implement that best practice. But even today, I think there's a lot of room for improvement and there's a lot of work to be done. You know, I, I, would, I would have thought, by, you know, 18 years into this business that I get, I mean, I just had my birthday the other day and, you know, I've had a few people do my mortgage, but I never got any, I didn't get that phone. I got a few automated emails, right? I got a bunch of top of mind stuff, 
but I didn't get that phone call. I mean, and so for your, for your listeners, you know, you might take it for granted, but those types of personalized touch points where you're genuinely looking to create a one-to-one interaction with a consumer. And it's not about selling them more stuff or creating a sales opportunity. It's about deepening that relationship in a very organic, genuine way. I, I think that's the way you win. And there just isn't enough of that today because technology you know, like a top of mind makes it so easy and people feel like they've checked a, checked a box because top of mind sent the greeting card or the email or the dynamic video. But I still think it's a great idea to pick up the phone and make a phone call. No, no doubt about it. And I think if I, go ahead, Bert. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Mark. I mean, it, isn't it amazing? How many handwritten, handwritten notes have you received in the last year? I got one for my birthday, my mother-in-law. God bless her. She's, yeah. she's, she's awesome. Yeah, right. She, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta give her a shout out to you. Yeah. Thanks. And that's awesome. It brings up a conversation that I was having last, uh, just a few days ago with, uh, someone I work with, you know, the handwritten card, it's a forgotten, mm-hmm. I mean, we go to our mailbox now, we, you know, we try to eliminate all the junk mail and we go there and there might be a couple of things, you know, with, with digital e-bill, e-billion and, uh, all that stuff, you know, the mailbox doesn't have a whole lot, but if someone goes to their mailbox and they see a handwritten card, you know, it's almost, it's almost, uh, doesn't exist anymore. You kind of almost get excited, right? Like if you go to the mailbox, you're sifting through all the bills and all the garbage and there's actually something that's handwritten and you know, it came from a human being. Um, you you almost start to get a little excited these days. That's right. It's the first, it's the first darn thing that you open up. Hey, Mark, along the way, you had you had many, and one of the one of the things that we talk about on breaking business barriers is the fork in the road. You had a number of forks in the road. Is the, does one fork in the road come to mind? Oh boy, I have to think about that. I mean, you're right. You you, you find forks in the road regularly. I think as an entrepreneur, um, I can tell you like. One of the one of the biggest forks in our road at top of mind was when when, you know, like I mentioned, we we built software and you have a a group of guys that don't know how to build software. Let's just be honest. Right. Like (laughs) I'm not above saying that I don't know how to build software. I'm fortunate that I know people who know how to build software, but I'm not one of them. So anyway, when you're building software you know, you go to your development team, you say, wouldn't it be cool if we built this? And wouldn't it be cool if you built that? And you, you know, a lot of this is because we talk to our clients and our clients are like, wow, it'd be really cool if you build this, this gizmo and this, this, whatever it was. And, and so after about a decade of doing that, what ends up happening is kind of like, like if, you, if you're trying to build like an urban development without like doing all of your architectural planning beforehand, you end up with like a bunch of dead ends and, and, and roadblocks and it, it becomes kind of a mess, right? An unnavigable mess. So every new feature we wanted to build after like a decade became a lot more time consuming and difficult and risky because, you know, all these different, these different features we built kind of talk to one another um, and it just became really com- complex. So the fork in the road that you ask about is, you know, we had to decide whether or not we were going to continue to build off of this old 
you know, platform that had gotten us this whole way and, and taken our business from nothing to something pretty significant? Um, or were we going to start all over again? Um, and we made the really hard decision that we were going to build it from scratch all over again from, from, from the very ground up. And, um, you know, it's kind of like that movie, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. I don't know if you remember the scene where they, they were going to build a castle in the middle of the swamp. And then the, the king would say, well, it's daft to build a castle in the middle of the swamp, but we're going to build it all the same just to show the king. And then it fell over. And then they built a second one. And then that one fell over. And the third one fell over. The fourth one, the fourth castle stayed up. And that's exactly what happened to us at Top of Mind. We rebuilt our platform, not once, not twice, not three times, but we've rebuilt it four times. And it was, I, I, I mean, to say stressful would be an understatement. I mean, there was probably a year and a half where I, I don't know that I actually had a one night where I slept through the night. It was just mm. brutal. But thank God, you know, um, that fourth one did stay up. Uh, the company that, you know, helped kind of coach us and professionalize us in many ways really helped with that effort to bring it to fruition, uh, to work out all the bugs, so to speak. Um, but yeah, those were, those were troubling days. You've been a, you've been a, uh, the front runner in your business. You know, you're the face, you're the, I mean, you would answer your phone almost at any point. When you decided to take a step back here a few years ago, was that a decision made with your head or your heart? That was with my head. Um, I think it was the 18 months of not sleeping. And I was, uh, I probably needed a little bit of a break and a step away for quite, quite frankly, just being honest, but probably for, for my physical health. Um, and fortunately, you know, I had partners that, you know, allowed me to do so. And uh, I was able to help, you know, to a certain extent from the periphery of the business. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that that was with my heart. I, I think it was a, it was, it was a smart decision. Got, got it. I got a question for you on that, Mark. Is it, uh, you know, kind of along with what Brent asked, um, is that tough, you know, going from, man, I have this really crucial important role you know the the ship you know is either going to sail or sink you know based on me is it tough to go from just feeling that you know needed to just stepping back and and you know like being unemployed well the good news is that you know if i felt like 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 I was the, 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 the epicenter of the business and the business would not survive without Mark Green being there. Uh, I wouldn't have stepped away, but, but super talented team. Um, you know, my, my co-founders, uh, Shay and David, uh, you know, everybody that ran every division of the company had been there for years. Uh, I, I trusted them implicitly. They knew what to do every day. They didn't need me telling them what to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say to that, but, but, you know, I, I, top of mind never would have got where it, where it is today without, you know, all of the people around me. I, I honestly, I was just one member of the team. I just happened to be the, the, I guess say the, the, the original founder of it and the CEO of it, but 
it goes well beyond you know any one person and that that person's contribution to the to the company man you brought up some names that are friends of mine still today because of you you know with with your company there and i i is i reflect a you know as you said uh some some of the folks that are part of it you know really really good people and Mm-hmm. They loved you. You loved them back big time. Yeah. Hey, so what's next, man? You, you spent a good share of your life building a company. So what's next, man? I mean, you're going to, you know, I don't, I don't see uh, Mark Green sitting on the beach every day or fishing <laughs> every day or golfing every day. I know you like to do some of those things, no doubt, but what's next? There's a lot that's next. I, I, I am kind of super active. And, and uh, so I found a lot of joy in very small investing. So I have various investments and in businesses, um, a couple of which that are tangential to the mortgage industry with people that I know and admire and respect in the industry, but maybe even more excitingly outside the industry. So um, I think probably... My favorite investment in the post top of mind world, and and most people that are my friend on Facebook see me post about this all the time, but they have no idea why. But um, so I'm I'm actually a, a partner in a British soccer team. So I I bought a, a share of Cambridge United yep. uh, in in England, Cambridge, England, uh, last year during the pandemic, and uh, just. It's been so ridiculously fun to be a part of that on so many different levels. Um, so, you know, it, it, that one is is more passive. And, you know, I, I, I guess I guess I have a little bit of a role, you know, in, in the team, but not much, really. I'm really just more of a fan like everybody else. But that's probably the coolest thing that I've done since Top of Mind, I, I think. That, that, that's so, that's so cool. Besides uh, you and your wife raising that beautiful little girl of yours, you know, <laughs> one more year, she's off to college, man. I so can't believe it. Right there with you. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't believe it. JT, you have anything else uh, before we uh, set Mark, sail? If somebody's listening to this and, and they're inspired, which I'm sure people will be. And, you know, let's say they have an idea for a business. Um, is there any, you know, particular piece of advice that stands out, you know, to first thing to look into or first thing to think about or something to do differently than you did any, you know, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love to encourage people to consider entrepreneurship and, and maybe the best part about my story is that, you know, you don't have to be quote unquote special or the smartest. Um, you know, you could just be a regular everyday good human being with some passion and an idea and and in a in a in a network around you of friends and family and hopefully uh colleagues that'll support you and encourage you along the way you know um some people think that entrepreneurship is just for people that want to take a massive risk or for people that are just you know th- that have more resources or work, work harder than everybody else. Or, you know, I mean, all these different, different uh, new things that I don't know necessarily are true. I think, I think anybody can be an entrepreneur. I really genuinely believe that. Um, So, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be on the Dean's list to be an entrepreneur. 
you know, you just really have to have a lot of fortitude. You have to have a lot of love for the client. It does help to work hard and have a good idea and have a great team around you. But, you know, entrepreneurship is, is within, I think, pretty much everybody. And I'm a testament to that. I love it. You know, uh, one, one funny thing, I, uh, I worked for Countrywide as a loan officer, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the guy that you made the company for. So. Okay. Okay. Well, that would have been embarrassing. You know, but that guy never said that he was going to stay in touch with me. So, uh, oh, that was not as a second guy. guy the getting... second guy did. The yeah. second guy did. Maybe someday, one of these days, if I'm ever on another podcast, which I don't know I ever, but uh, maybe I'll embarrass him. But <laughs> too funny. You know yeah. what? And, and that applies um, to any business, staying in touch with, staying in touch with our, our clients, our customers. It's, you know, we happen to be mortgage bankers or I'm a mortgage banker, Jared's in real estate and, and you've been on both sides of those equations, Mark, but in your profession, but what an important thing to stay in touch. Just a, a simple stay in touch. CRMs are helpful, helpful, but like you said earlier, pick up the phone, yeah. you know, pick, pick up the phone and, and say hello. It might be a birthday. It might be. It might be just uh, the start of football season because you know your client because your CRM reminded you that they're they're Iowa Hawkeye fans, okay? They yeah. uh, or whatever the case might be. But Mark, you not only did you build up a, a wonderful business, but you know you've got a, a ton of raving fans, me included. Now JT, but you were uh, you were an ins inspiration to me as I was building a company. I mean, you you have no idea how much you meant to me. And hence why you're on this, but your advice falls so much in suit with other entrepreneurs that we've had on breaking business barriers, very similar passion, hard work, you know, willing to, willing to, you know, go out there and put the neck on the line and surrounding yourself with really, really good people. And you did all that, man. You checked the boxes. I got that, really lucky. Really, I mean, and by the way, it doesn't hurt to be lucky too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that I'd one. Rather be lucky than good. I, I'll tell you, I'll take lucky every time. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> and, but this has been wonderful, Mark. Thanks so much for joining uh, JT and I on on Breaking Business Bears again. It's episode number 103, Mark. Dude, it is onward and upward. PMA all day long. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks for having uh, me on this. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. It was great. Great story. We'll uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, Take Brian. Care. Thanks, JT. Take care, everyone.